Every episode of The Angry Chicken is made possible by our amazing patrons over at patreon.com slash tack. For more of Jocelyn's content, check out jossplays.com. And if you can't get enough of Ridiculous Hat, follow him over on Twitter at Ridiculous Hat. The Angry Chicken is a production of A-Move TV. Time's up. Let's do this. You smell like a leper gnome! I knew it! So hot! A podcast about Hearthstone and Battlegrounds. This is The Angry Chicken! Hello everyone and welcome to The Angry Chicken. I'm your host Jocelyn and joining me as always is my co-host Ridiculous Hat. Hello Hat, how happy are you about Rogue right now? Uh, probably not as happy as people might think I am, but it's all right. It's good. It's good. <laughs> well, we will definitely get into that much later on in the show because we have we have so much news, Hat. This patch that came out yesterday is freaking huge. And I know they said it's not going to be the norm, but it feels a little bit like the norm where we just get these gigantic changes all at once. Yeah, it's well, and this is so we got a patch that is two weeks after an expansion launch with 26 changes, 26. Now, I did some math, did some math, so I like doing <laughs> math at between May 19th and August 16th. That is a three month period. We have had. A mini set, an expansion, and fifty nine card changes that are unrelated to the expansion launch and the like. They're just buffs and nerfs. Fifty nine cards were changed in balance changes. Now, some of those have been changed. They changed one way, and then they changed another way back to the original way. But <laughs> totally, it is fifty nine total card changes overall. Um, you know, it's it's you can fudge those numbers a bit because you like some cards are related or whatever, but that's a large number of things to change in three months, in addition to a mini set and an expansion. Yeah, that's quite a lot of cards. And I mean, like, I know that we talked about this the last time. I can't remember if it was last time there was a big change or if it was when the mini set came out. I'm glad that they're addressing issues. But it also feels kind of soon to me, you know, like I haven't even really had a chance. And granted, we just adopted two adorable puppies and I haven't had a chance to do a lot of anything in the last week and a half. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I'm very much like I just can't get a handle on things before they change things. And I'm supposed to be keeping an eye on stuff, right? Like my job. <laughs> it's literally my job to keep an eye on stuff. And I'm having trouble keeping up. And obviously the summer's super busy and everything else. But like, damn, maybe don't change so much, guys. <laughs> Let us settle in. <laughs> and the we actually got uh, commentary about it and talked about it when Renathal came out because that was not a balance change, and it was not a mini set. It was just one card, and then it took the entire meta and completely changed it. Now, it's I do think there's some merit to buffs on cards that you got but didn't work, and then just making them work a little better. It doesn't feel quite the same. Like, we were trying Relics and Relic DH, and mm-hmm. it, we 
never had any memory of them because they were just immediately super terrible. And so in order to make that better, you have to change a few cards. In order to make Dude Paladin better, you have to change a few cards. But because it's an archetype that never got a chance to launch in a class that we never saw, it doesn't feel quite as seismic because it's not invalidating anything. It's just letting an expectation that you had before the set come to life right when the set is about to come out. I feel differently about it than I do about multiple changes that actually invalidate decks. It's like giving us more to do isn't bad. Taking stuff away is when it gets disruptive or shaking up how the meta feels. Usually that means something is lost in the process. That's where it starts to get kind of destructive because it's if you can go play the same deck that you could before the patch and it's still probably fine, then that's that seems okay to me. And I don't think a single deck got deleted. Maybe Celestial Druid, but also like I have trouble feeling bad for Celestial Druid. I feel like we've been doing Celestial Druid things for a long time now, so it's one Since of those the cards. Since mini set, that's yeah, that was June of twenty one. Yeah, so so over a year now, we've been doing Celestial Druid things, and I'm kind of okay when they nuke something that we've had for that long. Like I would have been totally okay after we had Librams for a year if they just said, you know what. All your Librams cost an extra 10. <laughs> like, let's just nuke them completely. Paladin doesn't Librum anymore. <laughs> I would have been okay with that. Again, after a year of that's what that class did, I feel like we've been doing Celestial Druid for a year and there have been like a couple of other, like Druid's been fairly strong and so probably not the best example of this because they didn't have one archetype, but I feel like Celestial Druid has kind of been consistently competitive, right? You could do other Druid things, but like Celestial was always there for you. I'll say, even if it didn't win a lot, we're going to talk about this a bunch in the show. Mm -hmm. You're going to hear from people, dear listener, that tell you that if something doesn't have a positive win rate of top legend, then it doesn't need a nerf. Celestial Druid has been consistently popular and tilting as hell to play against. So that's enough. And it's still, there are times when you're at High Legend and it's quite good. And there are times when it really hasn't been, but people play it anyways. And times when it hasn't seen play, but it's still been around for a year and denying people's ability to play and, and causing salty reactions. Like, you know, usually the third expansion where something is relevant, then they decide, hey, let's do something else with a few exceptions. Librams being one of them because Paladin and Hunter tend to dodge negative sentiment in a way that other classes don't always get the benefit of the doubt over. Um... But that's really true. I haven't heard people be salty about Hunter in a long time, unless we're talking about some sort of face Hunter deck. But like that seems to be general feelings of aggro anger as opposed to I hate Hunter and everything they do. <laughs> or they have some leftover feelings about face Hunter from a long time ago when they have played the whole time and they always dislike face Hunter. It's mm -hmm. it's pretty rare for Pal and Hunter to do crazy from hand things that make the opponent feel like there's no agency whereas it's much more common for some classes rogue priest warlock when it's when it's good is usually very very good um even demon hunter people still have salty feelings about demon hunter i'm i'm not looking at my co-host i'm not looking at my co-host um because <laughs> it's it did so much damage from hand the first day that it was out that people forged this negative association of they just do whatever they want and kill me and that feeling never went away. So the class that do a lot of drawing cards and doing stuff from hand and goofy nonsense that it feels like you can't stop, Priest, Warlock, Demon Hunter, Rogue, those are the ones that 
probably get disproportionate amount of feelings and commentary that may or may not correlate with their win rate. Mage sometimes, Druid sometimes, but those are also popular, so they they're not quite as you know, not quite as polarized. Rage induced, rage inducing. Yeah, I, I just want to say, Hat, you, when you're describing people's feelings towards Demon Hunter, I just I feel so seen. You get me. <laughs> it's I'm here for you. I was thinking about it's like, wow, anything that pros like. Usually, there are a lot of people f- that are like normal Hearthstone players that have strong feelings about it for some justifiable reason. And I was looking through my screenshots of turn four, a bunch of Ironbound Broods are killing you from hand with Ilganoth, or also my turn five, uh, 17, 17 Edwin and two 12, 12 Stealth Ghosts. Like, I think I kind of get why people have concerns. I think I kind of understand. <laughs> Well, why don't we jump into some of those concerns and uh, some of what people are playing? Because we do have a master's tour to talk about as well. But before we do that, wanted to say a very special thank you to our patrons over at patreon.com slash tack. We are supported by you guys. Everything we do, we do it for you. You can become a patron over at patreon.com slash tack. <laughs> I could, guys, I just, I, <laughs> I love making hats smile like it's just so fun (laughs) so uh you can become a patron support what we do by going to patreon.com slash tack like steven g griffin and el deuterino did this past week thank you so much for supporting the show we really do appreciate it if you become a tack patron you also get access to our fancy schmancy tack discord server and you know you want that so again head on over to patreon.com slash tack that brings us to the news Good news, everyone! Brian Adams. I knew it was Brian Adams. I knew it. Couldn't think of the name, but but Hachi got us in chat. I'm so glad you figured. Honestly, I am so terrible with songs and artists and names of things that I didn't even know who I was quoting. (laughs) It's like, I just know that this is in a song. Oh, I knew I was doing it. (laughs) I just didn't know who I was quoting at all. But uh, yeah, so I don't know if you guys know, but we had a master's tour this past weekend, (laughs) which I still feel like it's not nearly as like advertised as it and I don't even know how they change it I just I feel like I usually on a Saturday am sitting in front of my tv going what should I watch and then like I go to YouTube and it's there and I'm like oh there's a master's tour this weekend who knew uh but I I really enjoyed this one I watched uh, quite a bit of it I was exhausted. So anytime the puppy was sleeping during the day, I was like, oh, thank God. And just laid on the couch and like vegged to Hearthstone. <laughs> so I watched more of Master's Tour Murder at Castle Nathria than I think I've watched of a Master's Tour in the last four years. <laughs> it was entertaining, too. It was a fun event to watch. Yeah, the I think this this format, well the pre-patch format, but the format in general, it, it showcases pretty well. There are a lot of goofy games, but like not a lot of yog boxes or whatever where both mm. players just like take the wheel. But, you know, there were some goofy evolved lethals, uh, one in particular involving a uh, a very large, very wind fury snowfall guardian that was quite fun. Um, but also you got to see a lot of player skill, a lot of unusual lines, a lot of high APM plays. It was a pretty great tournament. I did know what was happening, but I had a pretty direct source. Um, my co-caster on Coin Conceit Edelweiss, she was like, yeah, can we do the show on Thursday? Because I have to cast the Master Tour on Friday. So I get live updates. 
But most people <laughs> don't do a podcast with someone that works the event. So yeah, it's. I think we've talked about the visibility of she YouTube events for a while. Amazing, by She's the way. She's so good at this, right? Like it's mm-hmm. this is her second event ever casting. You would assume that she had been part of the casting team for years. It's it's just kind of baffling how naturally talented she is. Yeah, she did so so well. I thought, especially, and I found it really interesting because there was like half the hosts and I don't know if it was like a bandwidth thing or what but like half the hosts only had like photos and they did some like really fun stuff with Derek's photo at one point in the broadcast which was just ridiculous but it was so that was I can tell you I have inside information the in the UK they don't usually have air conditioning and it was Ah. extremely hot so they said, you don't have to turn the lights on. Just like turn turn your lights off. Because the, the, when the key lights are on you and you got to put makeup on, you know, you know. Yes. <laughs> it feel, it, I mean, like that would be, I would think, bordering on like unsafe working conditions. <laughs> because I know like I've seen a lot of, I follow a lot of UK streamers and it has, they like everyone's been talking about. I, I have one streamer who streams Dead by Daylight who actually has like a thermometer like a, a on his desk and he's like right now it's 32 degrees <laughs> i'm like oh my god i start to sweat when it's like 10 degrees less than that in my air-conditioned home and i'm like whoa better turn down the temperature this is getting out of hand so i can't even imagine trying to be in the uk under a whole bunch of lights doing the master tour so that makes a lot of sense but uh hats off to the casters who had to interact with those still photos because it's really difficult to you know like do any kind of uh stream or commentary or hold a conversation when you can't see the other person um especially when you're doing something along the lines of like technical commentary so uh so yeah the fact that (laughs) they couldn't see each other and you could tell sometimes they were kind of stepping on on each other's words and everything else but still um i think they did a really 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 good job it was it, there was a lot to talk about. It was fun. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they like if they did hidden cams in Discord or whatever. Where like they just had the lights off or or whatever. Maybe. But, <laughs> but either way, um, you know, I mean, there was plenty to talk about and some pretty cool stories in the event. Japan showed up in a major, major way. It was a, a Japanese finals, which is pretty cool. Man, Glory is just amazing. Eh? He's really <laughs> good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we uh, he's been such a feature in Hearthstone for so long, but it's kind of he's one of those people that you really have to point to when people say, oh, it's all random, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, look at glory. That is consistency. <laughs> yeah. And Possessi made the top eight and Tenzo, who's been around forever. It's this was an event with a lot of really familiar names. And that happens a lot. Um I think it's pretty hard to make the argument when you see the same names over and over again that the random element is what's holding people back. But I don't think that anyone that is competing would make that argument. Mm -hmm. I will say I need to say a very personal apology to Language Hacker because I turned on the stream when he tweeted uh, that he was going to be on stream. And then I was like, "Okay, good. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to cheer for him. And he lost horribly there were not like horribly horribly but there were definitely like some very specific he only loses if these exact things happen and then those exact things happened and it was because i was there and i was cheering for him i'm very sorry language hacker i will never do it again (laughs) 
<laughs> I was so sad. And I mean, I later on did it to Donkey as well. So which was like the Cinderella story that like everyone was cheering for him so hard because I mean, if you then they said this a couple times on stream, like in terms of well-known community members, if you've done anything at all in the competitive Hearthstone space, even just looked for deck lists <laughs> like he's always putting that stuff out there and he does amazing stats he was one of the places that we actually went to uh when we were trying to figure out like who was going to get relegated and who was going to get promoted into gms because the main like official website was so terrible it's like we had to count on him to count numbers and stats and everything else of everyone's like records through the masters tour so that we knew what was going on in grandmasters like been an amazing community member for so long and yeah i i cheered so hard for both of them and they lost so i'm sorry <laughs> it's donkey cheesing it on camera was pretty great though like he was so yeah. hyped to get top eight and you know yeah very expressive player uh you know not afraid to to inject a little humor into it like he's got a very i don't know like smarmy profile picture like a, a pose where like he's one of the few people that actually smile i dig it uh, and <laughs> just had like had a pretty clever lineup too. It's really happy to see him do so well, and he's been a great player for as long as I have known him. Mm -hmm. um, just glad to finally see it translate on a large scale. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, uh, did we have any takeaways from Masters Tour? Anything? Because I know, and and we're gonna get into this very shortly with the patch notes, but I know that uh, the Rogue conversation. <laughs> was had around the master's tour and then the patch uh, do we want to get into that now or do we like other than i guess maybe what we'll say is other than rogue do we have any takeaways from master's tour because there's a lot of controversy around rogue and edwin in particular so so rogue was rogue was was fine this event right the thing that's exciting about it is that bef uh, about a day before the event started, everyone thought the class was dead. It's not, turns out. And then they buffed it, so it's super not. Um, but <laughs> Lambie series found a deck list, created, found, crafted, refined, whatever you want to call it, shared it with some practice people, and then about like three hours before deck list deadline, it exploded on ladder, because you got rank one legend with it, shared it with a few people, and it populated like crazy. Uh, and ended up being one of the more popular decks in the tournament, in part because high MMR players like Rogue in part because they needed a fourth aggressive deck, and in part because it, if you knew what you were doing with it, it seemed pretty good. Now, overall, the win rate of the deck in the Masters Tour, 51%, right? In the grand scheme of things, a 51% win rate deck, which is the same as Ramp Druid and Naga Priest, is not, like, crazy exciting. It's not a huge outlier, except for the idea that the class was supposed to be dead, and it wasn't. Um, but it had some good matchups. It worked out pretty well in this context, and a lot of people didn't know about it, so it took people by surprise. So, you know, lined up really well into Beast Hunter, Big Spell Mage, uh, lined up well into... It's actually quite good against Imp Warlock, so if you're trying to do a target Imp Warlock lineup, it actually worked out well, uh, and ended up being in the winner's lineup. But, you know, there were some decks that we expected to do well, like, uh, like Imp Warlock, like Control Shaman, which we knew was good. And there were also some decks that we didn't expect to do well that ended up performing. Uh, Quest Priests did really well. Which is, and by the way, it's not a bad choice on ladder right now either. The reason to bring Quest Priest is because it has a crazy high win rate against Control Shaman. So if you're leaving up Shaman, it's a great fourth deck. It's a very interesting conquest format. 
Now, unfortunately, there was not a single warrior deck brought to the entire tournament, I don't believe. Yeah, and I think uh, there were no paladins in the top, definitely in the top eight, maybe in the top 16. I don't think there were any. The only paladin list of note was mech paladin was only played. Warrior wasn't brought at all. Demon Hunter, a couple people brought it. There was a brief moment on day one where fell Demon Hunter from last expansion was the best deck in the tournament because one player brought it and won both games with it. <laughs> so it was undefeated in the first two rounds. It was 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was actually the best deck on the dashboard, but that didn't last. So, you know, you could see pretty clearly in this event, there were three classes that were just basically dead. And then one that we thought was going to be dead, but actually emerged as one of the better decks of the tournament. Interesting, fun. Then they buffed it. We'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, we tend to say that, though. Like any any given Masters Tour, usually there's kind of like a an accepted lineup as like the best lineup, the best decks. And then there's the counter to the best decks lineup. And for the most part... It's not like four classes and then the four totally other classes. So we tend to often see, you know, three, I would say three or four classes not being represented is a lot. Um, But I would say we usually see one class that's not brought at all. And then one or two classes that are, you know, some people maybe thought about this could be a good idea and thought they might disrupt the meta or something. And then they get smacked down on day one and we never see any more of those classes. Um, But I think this is still, even though it seems obvious, I guess, at the same time, I feel like uh, this happens every time. You know, we always have, um, I would say, seven or eight classes that have pretty high representation and then two or three that really don't. Yeah, it's conquest. You need to have a pretty clear strategy as to what you're trying to do. That usually means you have to uh, uh, figure out what you're targeting, figure out what you're banning. And you bring four decks that beat one thing. And it's pretty rare that you're going to bring something that just doesn't have a clear purpose, that is generally well-rounded, or something that doesn't beat any things you're trying to beat. If I look at uh, the previous Master Tour, there was... It, Warlock actually had a little bit of presence from Curse Warlock, but otherwise it just it wasn't really played. There was very little Warrior. There's a little bit of Paladin to do all that well. It, it happens. Sometimes things mm. just don't fit a meta. In a perfect world... You have a uh, well-balanced representation, but my experience is that often good ladder metas lead to very poor tournament metas because you end up just having good deck lineups because nothing is particularly uh, polarized, so you can't really target effectively. Whereas good tournament uh, metas where you get to ban an unbalanced deck get to be pretty bad ladder metas because there's one thing Mm -hmm. that's overperforming, and then in tournaments you get to take that away and it gets really interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. And we're going to talk a little bit more about ladder meta versus tournament meta meta later. But uh, let's get into this balance patch, because uh, as Hat talked about off the top of the show, we have so, 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 so many updates in uh, 24.0.3. So uh, we're going to talk. We are going to talk about both standard and battlegrounds, uh, but we'll get into uh, standard first and foremost. So we already talked about celestial alignment. There were four nerfs total. Um, and Celestial Alignment was one of them. So old obviously set each player to zero and the cards of all or cost of all cards in your hand and deck was one. Now you set your mana crystals to zero and the cost of all the cards in your hand and deck to one. So now instead of impacting both players, Celestial Alignment only impacts you. I mean, we talked about this at the top of the show that 
the thing about Celestial that sucked is that when it worked, I can't play my cards and you play twice as many cards. So they wanted to get rid of that feeling. And so this still lets Celestial Alignment function. You can still play the same deck, just if I'm playing against you, I can still do what I want to do. So Quest, uh, Quest Hunter, for example, doesn't just turn off completely, as an example. And you kind of have to nerf this way when you print a card like Convoke the Spirits. Because if you change the mana cost of a card that just gets played for free sometimes, then it doesn't matter. So they had to change the text box, and this is the way to do it to make people stop being upset about it. I am glad they did this. I expect Slash Shield Root to be way, way worse. Not without its uses, but hopefully this just means people stop playing it. Um, but if you still want to do your crazy pop-off thing, you can. Just the chance of you being dead is higher, which is how they should balance this kind of thing. Uh, we also got a nerf to one of the Wild Seed cards. And actually, um, because this is one of the generated Wild Seed, um, I guess, results, one of the generated cards, not one of the playable cards, all of the impacted Wild Seed cards, including, uh, I can't even remember what they are now. Hat, are you going to help me out with this? Or are you going to make me Marilyn humble? has a hat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. There's also Stag Charge. There's Wild there's Spirits. There's the 2-2. And there's Spirit Wild Spirits, Poacher. Yeah, and Poacher. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so all of those are going to be eligible for the Dust rebate as well, um, even though they aren't technically directly nerfed so the wild seed result in question the beast is the stag spirit so that was the one that gave you the great bow it's the five four that takes three turns to wake up uh so now instead of a four two weapon you get a three two weapon which is good because getting the stag was ridiculous especially if you could speed it out faster it used to be a four two great bow now it's a three two pretty good bow and it's still pretty good <laughs> Um, get out <laughs> it's, I'm just saying it's still pretty good we're still playing it listen if you own wild seed cards and you're thinking should I dust them if you're still going to play hunter no you should not dust them yes they are still the best card in your deck yes you should keep them uh, but this is this is a sensible change because it was just so much damage for no reason and the cards yep. still like all of these cards are still really really strong it's just no longer casual 8 damage out of nowhere well, eight damage plus a five four. <laughs> like yeah, even if it was like in. the stag wakes up and dies, but gives you a weapon that still would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, so it's I'm glad they nudged this, but this is a nudge. This is every hunter deck before. This is the only nerf to hunter at all. Don't change a card in the decks. They're still good. You'll just randomly not scam people with eight damage or sixteen if you get two of these over the course of the game, which is how it <laughs> should be. Yes, agreed. Uh, we also got the much-awaited for, much-called-for nerf to Snowfall Guardian. Hat is extremely happy right now. He's literally doing a happy dance. So Snowfall Guardian used to be 3-3 uh, three, three with a battle cry, freeze all minions, gain plus one, plus one for each frozen minion. Now it is a 5-5 five, five battle cry, freeze all other minions, which means no more growing. Yay! Still freeze effects, which, you know, depending on how you feel about freeze effects. But um, now you won't have the freeze effect and also a gigantic guardian and also a really stupid way to interact with a whole bunch of other cards to make them gigantic, too. So 
I mean, technically, you'll still get to repeat the battle cry. You'll still get to do Bolner things, except for Bolner's not going to get bigger and your parrots aren't going to get bigger. Everything's just going to be frozen. And then you're dealing with five fives and, and one fours and three threes and stuff instead of 25 25s or whatever. That makes sense. I mean, like when it's this cold, I wouldn't expect my Bolner to get any bigger, but it just surprised me every time. Um, <laughs> and real talk, Control Shaman, the win rate's still fine. The deck yeah. is still fine. It's this is I'm not going to call this a lighter nerf. This is pretty significant, but the deck still seems competitive because freeze, 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 devourer, Denathrius is still good enough. Well, that's the thing. It still has a lot of other ways to end the game, right? Like yeah. it wasn't necessarily we definitely saw them doing these shenanigans that kind of all centered around Snowfall Guardian for a long time. But now that they don't have that tool, they're just experimenting with other tools, which is kind of the whole reason that nerfs exist, right? Like they want to change how things work. They want to change the wind condition of the deck. And we've been doing Snowfall Guardian things for a while now. And it's Eight one months. of those cards. Eight yeah. months. At knows to the day how long we've been doing Snowfall Guardian things. But uh, it, it very much just... <laughs> It's just really, really difficult to uh, like play against one of these decks, especially if your deck is minion based. It just feels so bad to not only have all of your stuff frozen. If you're a minion based deck, that's also probably the way that you're attempting to deal with your opponent's board. You probably don't have a whole ton of removal spells and then you can't do anything and you're facing a giant threat like yeah, this. I feel like is a card that hasn't felt good to play against for a long, long time. So I'm really glad that they made a change. I think this change is, it looks really heavy, but I think the deck that it's in actually isn't all that different in many ways. But short version, if a deck wants to slow the game down, it should have to play a slower game. That's what mm -hmm. they did. I dig it. Maybe the deck will be worse, but it was pretty dominant before. Uh, it's, it's less potent of a threat. It doesn't just stop the game and then end the game. Now it, it continues the game. Uh, I, I think it's a nice, elegant nerf. We'll see if Shaman's able to survive, but so far, very early preliminary stats, which could change as early as tomorrow and as late as next show and all in between. Um, preliminary stats indicate that Control Shaman is worse, but still playable, still above 50% win rate at multiple levels of play, and it's still worth your time. I mean, I was playing it today. I was still having a good time, even without the the crazy big snowfall guardians. There's still, like I say, there's a lot of different ways uh, to build that deck and to and to find a win. Yeah, I I like this change. I like the next change a lot too. Um, it doesn't it doesn't feel that punishing to Imporlock, but it makes me feel better as someone playing against Imporlock. Like this feels more fair and like it. Fits with the theme of the deck a little more. So basically what they did was they changed Vile Library. So they they made a change to one of the newly released cards, one of the locations. And instead of giving a friendly minion plus one plus one as like a base condition it does all the time, now it only gives a minion plus one plus one for each imp you control. So that was the second half of the location previously. So you would automatically get the plus one plus one and then repeat for every imp. Now you don't get that initial plus one plus one. So it doesn't feel usually punishing, but now it is entirely reliant on your board imp presence. <laughs> and I think that that's, you know, it, it just feels more fair. 
Imp Warlock is already really strong, and I think I'm I'm kind of like raising an eyebrow at some of the things that weren't included in these nerfs, specifically around Warlock, because I feel like the um, impending catastrophe, catastrophe. Yeah, yeah, the card draw is cuckoo bananas and shouldn't still exist. <laughs> like there, something should change there. And uh, yeah, so I mean, I probably would have looked at one of those things to change as opposed to Vile Library. But, you know, this is one of the things on the long list that makes Imp Warlock go. And it's the kind of deck I'm glad that we have because we haven't had a, a really demon-centered, zoo-centered warlock in a while. So it's cool that this exists. I want them to do crazy board stuff. Um, but it just feels like it's a bit too strong. And I think this is one of the steps towards reigning in that power level. But yeah, impending catastrophe, you're getting side eye, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's very powerful. It's so this is this is a reminder because it's very important for us to center ourselves. Expansion came out 14 days ago. Or 15 yes. days We're recording on Wednesday. It has not been out for a very long time. And Warlock Zoo decks have been bad for a very long time. And when they've been good historically, they've been deleted. I don't want to delete this deck for a bunch of reasons. I will say that my personal reason, number one, is that if you delete the Imp Warlock, which you can do any number of ways, it would be very easy for them to over-nerf it, then this becomes a format defined by Ramp Druid. Who wants that? No Listener, one wants that. I don't think you want that. I don't think you want this to be a true Guffwind Games format where we're competing to see who gets their Denath brand Denathrius first. Um, the hardest counter to Ramp Druid is Imp Warlock. Imp Warlock is, personally, keeping down Ramp Druid very important. But... Let people play with cool, fun cards. The difference between library and catastrophe. One extends the game and one concludes it prematurely. Non-games are the thing you want to get rid of, which is when one player says, I didn't even get to do anything and I'm just dead. We'll get to Rogue in a second. Don't worry. I hear you yelling at your car radio. <laughs> but, uh, but via library, that extra stat point is a huge difference. If you went turn one flame and turn two library activate, it was a 5-4. You had a three damage spell. Doesn't work. You have to either kill it on turn one by using the coin or whatever, or having the having one turn window, or you have a three damage spell. They have a five four, and and you're just taking a bunch of damage, right? You had a druid of the reef. You better trade on turn one because otherwise you're just getting hit for five until you're dead. Uh, it's with fiendish circle. It was what a six six. It was a six six. Now it's a five five. Small thing, but reverted shield chatter kills it. Uh, you know, there are all sorts of other things that'll kill it. It's just a little bit of extra breathing room, a little bit worse at minion combat. But if you move library to three, you probably kill this deck because I know it seems really powerful. I know it seems like it does a lot, but it needs something good to do on turn two. So if it's ever off the coin, it can actually compete and play on curve. Because remember how awful Relic Vault felt on three. You just play mm. it and pass and then lose. We don't want Imp Warlock to get there, and pulling just one piece out of the puzzle could easily do it. I could see Impending Catastrophe, if the deck sustain is too good, getting nudged down, or Imp King Rafam, who is also just a giant stat bomb and a board in a box all at once. Well, I think, I think my problem with Impending Catastrophe specifically is that it just seems like, in a class that has a button they can push in order to regen cards, like in order to draw cards, they have a button. They're the only class that has a give me a card button. Comes at a cost, obviously, but still, they have a give me a card button. So anytime you have a more aggressive deck, which this is a pretty aggressive deck, 
then if you give them ridiculous refill and card draw, that doesn't always feel great, right? Like the drawback of being super aggressive is that you're supposed to run out of resources by the time I'm starting to stabilize as a non-aggressive deck, right? So yeah, I feel like being able to draw like five cards or two mana, like that doesn't seem fair to anyone. It's a lot Let of cards. Alone Don't an get me wrong. Deck. <laughs> it's, that is a large number of cards they get to do very cheaply. But as a counter argument, if they can already refill slowly, letting them refill a little bit faster is it's less of a of an improvement for them than it would be for a class with no draw, <laughs> right? It's they're they're gaining less in the process. Um, I think the important thing is that Warlock doesn't have damage from hand. If they are off the board, you might die to a demonic assault, or you might die to some of them are playing Kael'thas, Merlocula, Denathrius, which is another circumstance that we'll get to. I don't mm-hmm. play in the Warlock for that one. Um, but otherwise, they don't do any damage from hand. If you're snowfalling them, they can't kill you. They straight up yeah. cannot. So you let them be good at the board, and then you let them go get more stuff to put on the board. That's what Imp Zoo needs to compete, unless you're going to get them Doomguard. And we don't want to do that. So <laughs> as... I think it's worth letting it stick around for a bit and seeing what happens. I was worried about Warlock combo decks that were going to draw a lot of cards using Impending Catastrophe. They haven't really materialized, thankfully. So I think this is okay to let it ride for a little bit. If Imp Warlock stays really strong for a while, like you alluded to, um, or if combo decks start using Catastrophe to draw a bunch of cards, then kill me out of nowhere, then we then, then we should revisit. We should revisit. Okay. Fair, fair. All right, let's let's talk about Cobalt Illusionist because, like you mentioned, it didn't seem like anyone was really thinking about Rogue before the end of last week and before the weekend with the Masters Tour. Uh, yeah, I kind of like looked at this and was like, Cobalt Illusionist? Oh, Rogue things. Okay, yep, so wild Rogue things. Oh, uh, okay. Because I was going to say, explain to me how Cobalt Illusionist is problematic. So the the change to this is just a mana cost. Uh, it went from four to five. Uh, still, uh, three three death rattle summon a one one copy of a minion from your hand. So, there's a big rogue deck in wild. Plays the new uh, stoneborn general, the eight eight, the rush that when it dies it summons an eight eight. It plays Neptalon. It plays Azumat. Do you do you know sketchy information off the top of your head? The three mana spell. No. Three mana rogue spell. Find a death rattle in your deck that costs four or less. Draw it and trigger its death rattle. Okay. So I'm vaguely remembering this. <laughs> that's in standard now. Illusionist is not. But when this is the only death rattle in your deck, and you have a three mana spell that draws this and then poops a minion from your hand in play, and that minion is Neptalon, and you prepped it out so it's turn one Neptalon, <laughs> that's spooky that's not great so wild has a lot of stuff going on there were some really interesting twitter threads going around from matt london to Lucko, uh that i'm not super in enmeshed in wild i'm not super involved with it but i know that a lot of people are and matt london was speaking to wild is both is two things at once it is a super high power format where people do broken things to each other and also to different people a place where you go to be nostalgic for old cards you used to play with in Standard. And those two groups are diametrically opposed and they both exist in large quantity. Really hard to make both satisfied. But pulling this out of Big Rogue is at least a first step to nudging the deck 
out of highly played territory where games are just over on literally turn one. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember. Okay, so Neptalon. Wait, is that the shaman card? The colossal, the new colossal. Oh, the class. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, with the hands. So that's why the colossal. Okay, so that's why it's problematic because it's the colossal, and so when the colossals are summoned, they also summon all their bits. Yes, or also, or you get, or you get stoneborn general, and you rush in your one one, and then you have a turn one eight eight with rush, which is also better than most turn one plays. Well, by like a large margin. Okay, I was gonna say I don't play a lot of wild. But you're telling me an 8-8 on turn one is, like, not absolute insanity because that sounds crazy to me. <laughs> it's it's very good. It's, you know, the format is powerful. <laughs> the but fact that it's, yeah, very good, but not the absolute bonkers best is blowing my mind right now. Well, I feel like enough I to win the mirror because they just do it right back to you. So you have to keep doing mm, stuff. That's fair. That's fair. No, that's I, unfair. Uh, I... <laughs> I I worry that I wouldn't be able to keep up in wild. It's like I would go in and not know how to play a deck and then I'd have an opponent that had a colossal on turn one and I'd just be like, well, bottom right, buddy. Let's go. The games <laughs> are fast. Over. <laughs> yeah, fast I guess games. so. <laughs> but you don't get any quest progress because everything's over in a turn and Hearthstone's like, uh, 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 that's not a real game. <laughs> I I think you can just let yourself get hit by the colossal for one turn and then I think you're fine. Um, or yeah. just do your quest progress somewhere else. <laughs> Either way, Wild like has its merits, but it, there are some screenshots out there that look pretty pretty rough. So I'm mm-hmm. glad they made this change, but this is not any large-scale attempt to curb the format's power because that's not what anyone's trying to do. It's just a patch that they were able to ship. Mm-hmm. That's fair. All right. Do you want to talk about all of the classes that got all of the buffs because they were getting none of the play after the expansion? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about Demon Hunter first, because that's the order the cards are in the patch notes. <laughs> so you alluded to this when we were talking about library, but uh, Relic Vault did get a buff. So it was a three mana cost. Now it is two, uh, but everything else is exactly the same. So two mana, two durability location. You get two relics for the price of one. <laughs> Yep, and they also buffed Relic of Extinction, the one that deals damage to minions from 2 to 1. Um, I tried some Relic DH. It felt bad to play. Uh, it just, you had to skip really important turns. Your stuff didn't line up well. Now at least you can do the damage Relic on turn 1, even if they don't have any minions. The Vault on 2, and then the Phantasms, the Token Summoner on 3. And get two two twos and two three threes. it's alright. Solid. Uh, at least compared to what this format is doing. Uh, it mm-hmm. just, it no longer feels like you're playing with ancient cards that were designed by, by older Hearthstone power standards. It's a good prepackaged curve of stuff to do in order at a point in the game where it feels like it makes sense, as opposed to a turn later than it feels like it makes sense and you lose to everything. Demon Hunter and Warrior, their global win rates were under 40% as a class, far beyond what they normally have, like... Usually when a class is 45% global win rate, it's a problem. These were unplayable, and people really wanted to play them. So they just nudged them, nudged them a little bit into playable territory. Good change. People are trying it. There's some promise there now. We also got a buff to Bibliomite. So I feel like when we did card reviews, we were actually pretty stoked about this card. But uh, I guess just with Demon Hunter as a class not seeing play, this didn't see any play. But uh 
Bibliomite, if you don't remember, is a two mana, was a four, four, is now a five, four, which like what? crazy uh, with a battle cry that reads, choose a card in your hand to shuffle into your deck. So that's the downside is you're basically playing a two mana five, four, but then you are shuffling something back into your deck. So you're down a card. It's not gone. It's not discarded, uh, but it is no longer available to you immediately. And they buff the weapon as well, the magnifying glaive that it draws you up to three cards after you attack with it. They moved it from a two, three mana two two to a three mana three two. It turns out that throwing away your own hand is a big downside. To no way. The, to the surprise of someone, I'm sure. Um, so they're just making the payoff a little bit better here. They still don't expect... Uh, empty hand DH to be great, but it's more interesting now. And a 5-4 is like, it's a big threat for turn two. For turn, yeah, for turn two. It's the third two-mana 5-4 ever printed. There is Imprisoned Selma, which saw a bunch of play. There was Stocky's Prisoner, which sees no play. Uh, And then there's (laughs) Bibliomite, which we'll see some experimentation for now. I still, I don't think that Bibliomite makes sense in a Renathal world. But as a 4-4, four, four, it super didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Which, oh, man, I just, I feel like that's so crazy. Like, hey, have 5-4 stats for 2 mana. Not good enough. What a crazy yeah. world we live in in Hearthstone right now. <laughs> I mean, killing it, you're kind of getting rid of two cards at once if you kill it. Because it costs a card to play unless the hand is empty yeah. already. So, like, it's just a big number. It has no ability once in, what, once it's in play. And if you remove it, then you're dealing with that card and the card they shuffled away. So unless they get refill, which, you know, if they have Bibliomite on two and then Glaive on three and then the then four mana seven seven that pitches your hand on four and then the attack after. That's a lot of cards. Maybe that can work. But you got to at least set it up for success if you want to try it. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good way of looking at it is not just the two mana cost, but that it costs two mana and a card, even though, like I say, it's not a discard. It's not gone forever, but it is gone into your deck to return or not at some later time you know which may or may not actually be useful for you you do get to discover you get to choose you don't get to you know it's not random so there's that too but still yeah big big enough downsides that it's worth considering as as a cost so which i don't think that we necessarily thought it was going to be at the time when we were looking over uh card reviews and stuff which card reviews are always hard um Okay, so Abyssal Depths also got changed. This is another just straight up cost, no effect. Uh, so it used to cost four, now it costs three. Better. It curves into Vandar. Oh, yay. That's fun. It is fun. <laughs> Probably not good, but it is fun. Because Okay, like, it's fair. It's, listen, Vandar is a slow card in a slow deck, and we are not in a slow world. So you know what? Let people right, live right, their right. dreams. Okay, I keep I keep getting Vandar confused with Drek'thar, oh, with Drek'thar. which is no, no. the you, yeah. You okay. don't want to yeah <laughs> yeah. So Vandar <laughs> is the four mana four four. If this is the uh, lower cost than every minion in your deck, make all the minions in your deck cost three less. So you play it in a really big demon hunter deck where right. you don't play any minions below four, and then you abyssal depths, and you always get Vandar. So right. it's just big dumb idiots. That's probably too <laughs> slow to be competitive. Let people live the dream. Let people play Ramp Druid in the green class. It's fine. That's fair. Uh, Demon Hunter also got... Man, we have a lot of Demon Hunter changes. Uh, Battle of the Scorn first class. Vanguard. 
Yeah, this is the first class. Uh, used to be a two attack and one health. Now is a two two for two. And uh, this is when your hero attacks summon two one one fell wings. It's it's that guy. So yay. <laughs> He's back to how he was. Uh, yeah. This is a nerf Unnerfed, version, I guess. Boom. Yeah. Yep. As well as the next one, which I'm very excited about. Oh, we're gonna get brooded again. <laughs> no, we're not. No, we're not. All the support tools are gone. It's not good. good. Trust me, I've tried it a lot. It's it's you can I can go back to wild with my full golden brute deck and I can play it there and I can lose but have a good time doing it. It's everything I wanted. <laughs> In standard, the support is totally not there. You don't have philosophy, you don't have any of the good card, or you don't have glide. I don't care. I'm just happy. I'm just happy that they let me do this again. If you look at the end of the patch notes of the dev comment here. You see it? Uh, Demon Hunter has been struggling. (laughs) I do. Do you want me to read the whole thing or just the end? Just the last sentence. The reverse to battle-worn vanguard and ironbound brute should make them more attractive options for the class. Brute me, dude. That's in the notes. That's on the website. It is. Yep. I asked Aleko and he said, I did it for the dudes. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Let's move on to Paladin things. (laughs) Not that I don't want to dwell on Demon Hunter. If you want to talk more about brutes, then let's go. But we we have like we have like thirty two more buffs to cover. I don't know how many is. Yeah, uh, it's how the show was fifty so, minutes so in, and we haven't made it through the first news item. We're in item one. <gasps> okay, but hat. We should have known when it was just the two of us that we were going to go deep on the Masters tour, and that this was going to be a long show. I've already cut one of our two emails. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Paladin. So the Countess generated legendary invitations that used to cost three. Now they cost two. Uh, The legendary invitations are a Paladin spell that discover a legendary minion from another class that then are free. They cost zero. So uh, so, yeah, Countess is uh, because I know when when she popped up on because I saw the changes in Hearthstone in client before I actually saw the patch notes. And I was like, there's nothing that's changed on her. She always did this. What is going on? But it's the it's the cost of the invitation. So now instead of paying, because uh, I think it, she generates three, right? She does. Three invitations. So yeah, instead of paying nine mana, you're now paying six mana to get your your free legendary minions. And you can look at it as it's closer to a Dragon Queen Alex Draza sort of thing. Um it's it was ten mana to get your first legendary out of the seven seven. That's too much. Now on turn nine, you can play her and immediately do one of them. It's something. Uh, it's I still do not have a ton of faith in pure Pal, and this is the only payoff outside of elitist knob which you can play in a non pure deck. Uh, so this just lets the class have a chance and play by the same rules as everybody else, and may still not be good enough, but it's an effort. I think it's a good start. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's good that your legendary invitations allow you to discover the legendary, but I yeah. mean, it's still from another class, so there's no chance it's going to synergize with anything that you're trying to do as Paladin. Like, you hope you get, like, maybe a Colossal. Like, obviously, cheap Colossals are amazing. Um, but in general, I don't know. Like, we we have talked about legend. I feel like since the start of Hearthstone, we have talked about how legendary doesn't actually equal good necessarily so you know having a discover of even a choice of three legendaries when they're not even meant for your class so they're not going to synergize with you necessarily you know that's that's a pretty potentially crappy pool (laughs) to go and play in so yeah at least there are no neutral legendaries here there is 
one particular legendary that synergizes very well with Paladin's kit that has had a couple of really good Twitch clips. Lady Sathino from Demon Hunter. I wanted that whenever mm. you play a spell, she attacks. Uh, if you play her and then Divine Toll, which buffs things okay. by plus two, plus two a bunch, and then she attacks for 12, and then you play a Garden's Grace on her, and then she attacks for 17. And then you play another one, and then she attacks for 22, and then your opponent is dead, which happened in Edelweiss's stream the other day. It was very funny. I enjoyed it. Right, but I feel like that's not a consistent outcome. <laughs> no, it is not. It is a yeah, Twitch okay. highlight for a reason. And we yes, do not want exactly. that to be a consistent outcome because that's not a Paladin card. <laughs> Very true. Uh, okay, so we also got, as you alluded to earlier, some uh, some help in the dude department. So Stand Against Darkness used to cost five, now it costs four. Still summons five Silverhand Recruits. So uh, one one Silverhand Recruits until they're buffed. Which I feel yep. like that's an older card, right? Stand Against Darkness. Uh, that is from Kobolds, I think. Yeah. Or uh, is it Dark No, Whispers. Mood? That's Whispers. Oh, okay. That this is this is a very old card. This is mm-hmm. this is from 2016. Yeah. Yep. And Warhorse Trainer is even earlier. I think Warhorse Trainer is GVG. Uh, I think it's um it uh, Grand Tournament. Yeah, yeah, Grand Tournament because it's got the little uh, the um, shield. The shield. Yeah. Yeah. See, and it's hard to tell because so Stand Against Darkness has like a tentacle, and we've had so many old god ish expansions now that I'm like that could be any of them. But yeah, TGT is the only shield <laughs> that I can think of, except for maybe I can't remember now what Stormwind was, but that would also be shieldy probably. Because I yeah, don't know alliance things. Who knows alliance things? Warhorse Trainer got three buffs at once. It was a three mana two four that said your silver hand recruits have plus one attack. Now is a three mana three four that says your silver hand recruits have plus two attack and taunt. So more attack, taunt, more taunt, <laughs> and it's a spider tank. Yes. Cool. So yeah, again, more, uh, and actually this next one as well, it's all more support for Dude Paladin. So uh, promotion, which we talked about in uh, when we were doing our card reveals, but we haven't talked about since because no one played it, sad face, uh, was give a silver hand recruit plus three plus three, now uh, plus three plus three and taunt. So again, they've added that taunt keyword to the promotion. Still a one mana Paladin spell. It's, this is one mana for plus three plus three and taunt like, Show this card to someone in 2016. And they'll be like, what happened? And it turns out in this day and age, like, it's fine. And that's not, this is not power creep. Just shows how dynamic the game has gotten where back in the day, stats were king. And now you can do other stuff and it kind of works. But it's well, just, yeah, I'm kind of like side eyeing blessings of blessing of kings. That's like, hey, I give plus four, plus four. And it's like, but not for one mana, you don't. <laughs> yeah. It's very different Wild. world. They even mentioned it in the patch notes that uh, cards like Stand Against Darkness and Warhorse Trainer were simply not on the power level of modern Hearthstone, so we're buffing them up to see what they can do in the new age. And hey, promotion now comes with a raise. Eh. Eh. These patch notes are really good. <laughs> yes. I don't know if we should thank Aleko or if we should thank Nick or both, but I'm going to thank both. Thanks, guys. Yep. All right, Hat. Are you ready for some controversy? I mean, I'm ready for some rogue. 
<laughs> All right. Let's talk about Edwin. So Edwin, the Defias Kingpin, now costs three and starts as a three three. So it used to be a uh, four mana four four. The text has not changed. So uh still reads Battle Cry, draw a card. If you play it this turn, gain plus two plus two and repeat this effect. Uh, and so this is a kind of throwback to old Edwin, but newly reimagined for the way we play Hearthstone now. And uh, was already fine. <laughs> Probably didn't need this. <laughs> was already good and uh, like actively did not need. <laughs> okay, see, Hat, you're the rogue expert. So I didn't want to use that kind of strong language when talking about four mana four four Edwin. Uh, but I'm glad that you said it, <laughs> that you went there and not me, because I didn't want to sound like a salty, I don't play rogue <laughs> or stone player uh, by saying he did not need this, Gerarg. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm glad that you actually came out and said, as a rogue player, this was unnecessary. <laughs> like, listen. This card, if it didn't exist in the context of what it's doing in current standard, I would play the hell out of it. I would really like it. It would be obviously powerful. But he's, in addition to doing his normal Edwin crimes, which is kind of the arc of his character, he's mm -hmm. also doing some unusual new and exciting crimes that involve stealth ghosts that you can't interact with and big swords, big daggers, swords, whatever you want to call them. A 10-3 dagger is a sword. I, I, I agree with the achievement that says at what point is it just a sword? That's the name of the achievement. Um, it's If it's a 10-3, that's not a dagger. That's not what that is. Um, contextually, he's just being used for really gross pop-off turns. He gets super duper huge, draws a ton of cards, and he's so easy to shadow step or prep spike out right now. Um, the thing about Rogue that's important to remember, and we're gonna... Uh, there are some... Aleko put out a really nice twit longer to give additional context here and what was going on. But Rogue, the day before the Masters Tour deadline, was 43% global win rate as class, had no real prospects on ladder. The best Rogue deck was Quest Rogue from, from Stormwind, SI7 Rogue. That was the best one, barely 50%. There were some sketchy smokescreen rogues. There were some mine rogues. But there was just nothing going on for people that like playing minions, like cheating out some minions, playing some thief roguey stuff, and then just making a bunch of board for not quite enough mana and then hitting people with it. Until last Thursday, which was two days after they locked the patch in, there was nothing. And then there was something, and the way they buffed this card made that something into everything. And it, was, it just ended up being too much. But the danger with a card like Edwin... This is a chain draw effect in Rogue. This effect is already naturally pretty powerful because of how Rogue is constructed. But this is never the way you want the class to be good. I enjoy playing with Edwin. It's a lot of fun to play a bunch of cards and hear the, the very satisfying clang effect and he just gets bigger and whatever. And you have these pop-off turns to take screenshots. But if this becomes <laughs> every game, it becomes Celestial Anaconda in one card on turn five. Can't do that. Can't do that. This is not how you want games of Hearthstone to be played if you're a designer, right? You want it to draw a couple cards and go in, but he's getting really, really, really big really quickly. I mean, Joss, you talked about you learning the Shadow Step interaction today, and you faced a 13-13 from hand. I did, and that was not fun, let me tell you. <laughs> I just, I, and so, and the thing is, like, 
So I, I guys, I tried Rogue today. Let you that did. sink in. <laughs> and I did not have fun. Now, I feel like that is kind of like just an overarching Joss tries Rogue over the last eight or nine years. That is how those decks have gone. It doesn't matter what Rogue is doing. I can't wrap my head around the class. I don't like it. It's not fun for me. It is the opposite of all the other ways that I have learned to play Hearthstone. And it does all of these crazy things. And I can't, I don't have enough experience with it to wrap my head around it quickly enough to do these crazy big pop-off turns. So I'm playing Edwins that are like a 7-7 seven, seven, and I'm like, bam, take that. And then I get them played against me and they're like 13-13s, 15-15s. And I'm just like, man, I'm roguing wrong and I don't like it. <laughs> but I mean, like that, I think highlights why this isn't necessarily as problematic as reddit and twitter might have you think is because people who aren't playing hearthstone at the super high competitive level probably are more like me and don't necessarily capitalize <laughs> on rogue and some of these things and and you know like it, that kind of comes down to okay well do we consider super high competitive play when we're talking about balance changes or do we consider the wider Hearthstone player base when we're talking about balance changes? And I mean, I don't know the right answer. I don't think anyone knows the right answer, but um, it's not a really easy deck to play. I think you need a lot of rogue experience and a lot of repetition with this deck to be able to identify when and where you can take the risks and and make the big turns and and things like that. Because Edwin, I mean, two or three times I had him draw an unplayable card. There's not very many unplayable cards, but like Kravitoa is in the deck. And so if you draw him on turn four or five, it's like, okay, well, that's a six mana card. I've already played my three mana Edwin. Rip me. <laughs> so, you know, there are some ways he can brick. And I think knowing when to play him, what's in your deck, what could what the chances are of drawing things like those are all things that you learn over time. And if you don't have a lot of experience with Rogue, then, you know, like this, this deck can you can play it really, really, really badly. <laughs> I feel like if you compare it to something like Imp Warlock, Imp Warlock feels like a whole lot more straightforward. Yeah, it's it's there's pretty notable drop offs in a lot of ways. Miracle Rogue is the most popular deck per HS replay since the patch. At Legend and Diamond 1. And if you are below that at any point, it is not the most popular deck in the game. Declining from the popularity at Legend is 22%. The popularity at Diamond 5 is 10.5%. And it goes down from there. Yeah, I saw one today. Yeah. Other than me. Uh, but I faced one deck or like one rogue in 15 games. I saw a lot of mage. I saw a lot of shaman. Um, but I, I did not see a lot of rogue. There are some players that will not see this deck. There are some players that will see it on occasion and will beat it. There are some players that will see this on occasion and lose to it. Uh, it's, it, is not, it is not going to be a universally problematic experience, nor a universally prevalent one. The reason they should change this is not just the highly competitive thing or whatever, and there's not necessarily a right answer there, but the reason this needs to be changed to some extent and why Edwin being reverted makes a lot of sense to me is that the way that it wins sucks to deal with. It's all giant stats way faster than it's supposed to be, and you usually can't deal with all of them because there's stealth minions and weapons 
in addition to Edwin drawing a ton of cards that you get to play all at once. It's the the play pattern, the mechanism that this deck functions when Edwin gets going, it's so one-sided that it needs to be worse just because the experience of facing it sucks so bad. And it's crazy how much different, you know, like one mana cost made, right? Like this is basically a, a change from four to three, right? But the, just that is enough to make this not feel great. Because like you said, before the weekend, before the patch, like there really weren't that many people doing roguey things. It wasn't popular. It wasn't great. Um, it needed some gas. They just gave it a little bit too much gas, it seems like. Um, and I've seen a lot of people on Twitter, too, talking specifically about because you've mentioned it in in conjunction with Edwin. So I think we might as well talk about it now. Um, the location where um, it summons a stealth. Whatever size minion based on the number of other cards that you've played in the turn. So basically it starts with a one one and then it says, hey, guess what? You get plus one plus one for each other card that you played, except it's not a buff. And I think so I've seen a lot of people talk about even counterplay to that because, you know, even if you play, say, Starfish that silences all other minions, you get your Edwin back down to a 3-3, but then all you do is remove the stealth from these, you know, 9-9s, 10-10s, 12-12s, whatever, instead of making them also 1-1s. So it's like you can't even necessarily tech against it because those stats on those minions aren't silenceable. Yeah, though it's... I think that where I'd land there is make them smaller by making the deck less efficient because I really don't want games to come down to do you have the starfish or no? Because if you do all this work... I feel like we saw starfish so much in the Masters Tour this weekend. We, you had to do so it. so many starfish. Yeah, yeah. Well, you had to do it to undo Snowfall too, but at least mm -hmm. with Snowfall that's later in the game, it's I don't want the Golaka Crawler problem. Where mm. if you have it on time, then you win. Otherwise, you lose. The BGH problem is the same thing. It's mm -hmm. a three-mana card that you need to have on three. It's a neutral that everybody needs to play because this deck is format warping. I would rather we get to the point where the minions that the deck makes are either come down later and are dealable some way because other support tools in the deck have gotten nerfed or they're smaller because other support tools in the deck have gotten nerfed. I don't mind the idea of them being silenceable, but also I don't mind the idea of them working to a degree. If that thing spits out a couple five fives, then we're okay. But if it's turn turn five and I have two 12-12s with stealth, that, I don't care if I can silence those. Don't let me do that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not necessarily about being able to undo the powerful thing. It's that maybe you shouldn't have that power level of a thing to do in the first place. Less about the tech, more about the, the action. The feeling of, don't have my starfish, guess I lose. That's not a lot better than where we are now. It's a little better, not a lot better. It just, it feels better, I think, to me, just because at least I have some counterplay, right? There aren't yeah. a lot of classes that can deal with this right now at all. At least if we have starfish, we have something, Hat. <laughs> it might be necessary, like it might be a necessary change. And like, it's, I don't think it's a terrible idea. But I don't want to have to put two starfish in all my deck for the rest of time. And the mirror match is going to get so dumb if that's the case. Because you're just starfishing <laughs> back and forth and then hitting each other with one ones. Like, that's just... <laughs> as, as, Maybe that's what Rogue deserves, that. Maybe that's what Rogue deserves. <laughs> listen, we're doing crimes right now. I get it. There's going to be a penance. I just I Slapping each other with two fours and one ones back and forth, while very funny, 
I hope is not the gameplay I'm experience. I'm picturing a slap fight like this. Yes. <laughs> it's it's like Patrick. It's like Patrick and SpongeBob. It's that is pretty oh, funny. I'm glad maybe, that we maybe they have do the that. same visuals in our head. That's great. All right, let's continue to talk about Rogue because we do have more Rogue changes. So uh, Sprint got reduced from six mana to five mana, still draws you four cards. Um, I guess they just looked at Warlock and said, everyone should be able to do this. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you need to be able to draw cards in Rogue. Like Silverleaf Poison moved from two to one. Neither of these are seeing a ton of play right now, but Sprint you actually start to think about now. And I think Sprint is more for a deck like Secret Rogue. They also buffed Halkius, the the four mana five four that when it died, it stored itself inside of one of your secrets and then came back when the secret popped. I'm so sad that I like I haven't seen any of that since the expansion. I remember when we were doing theory crafting and it just seemed so cool. The idea that like you had a minion getting sucked up into a secret and then popping back out again. Like that was so cool. And I haven't seen even one person play that against me on ladder. Since the expansion, which again really was only bad. two weeks ago, but it's yeah, so bad, unfortunately. So Halkius is stealth now, so he's a lot easier to control, which is a better thing. This is a playable card now, but the secrets that Rogue got are really, really not great. Like it's the one that makes a three-four when the spell is played is all right. Um, the other two, there's one that you can play around by leaving one mana open, and that denies Rogue their card draw, which is significant, and kidnap kidnap is actively bad for the person playing it kidnap is a two-minute secret that says you're brand your opponent's next battle cry you brand your opponent you give them two battle cries why would i want to do that <laughs> i don't want to do that it's you win more games if you don't put the secret in your deck so i don't think that secret rogue is going to be playable with these secrets at any point, this secret package that we have in standard is nowhere near good enough. The payoffs aren't there. There's there's not really any reason to do it. Um, but this is closer to a reason, and Sprint helps this deck get a little closer to existing because you don't just constantly run out of stuff now. You put two Sprints in the deck. You play Halkias on four. You can prep Sprint Secret on five or whatever, something like that. Still pretty I bad. I mean, at least, there's a, yeah, at least there's some sort of line of play here as opposed to just feeling terrible and not able to to do the thing you want to do and it's so fun i mean for all of the bag talk that we had with kidnapping when it was revealed i'm so sad that it didn't turn out to be something that was actually playable it's yeah such it's a fun idea it's such a good concept it just in practice didn't seem to really work out yeah it really really didn't well it works out for the opponent yeah <laughs> which is not usually why you want to play cards just as a general deck building selection. It's like the one thing. It's like if I put this card in and it does something good for my opponent, probably not the best choice. Yeah. All right. But we have warrior stuff. Oh, Maybe we have so much okay. stuff still. Yeah. So warrior also got buffed because as we mentioned off the top of the show, when we were talking about the master's tour, paladin, rogue, uh, demon hunter and warrior were on the low side when it came to win rate. So sanguine depths, which is the warrior location, deal one damage to a minion and give it plus one attack now deals one damage to a minion and gives it plus two attack. So buffing, buffing the buff is still a one mana three durability location. There are a lot of these numbers changes. Uh, saying with mm -hmm. depth is a nice change. Imbued Axe is crazy now. Imbued Axe is really, really good now. Yeah, so this is the after your hero attacks, give your damage minions plus one, plus one, infuse three, double that 
doubled the buff to plus two plus two. There's a lot of numbers in that very short space. Uh, now it's after your hero attacks, give your damage minions plus one plus two, and your infuse is is plus two plus two, but less. You only have to infuse two instead of infusing three. So still the same um, base mana cost and attack and durability. So a three mana two three weapon. But um, less minions have to die now in order to get the 2-2 buff. And the original buff is uh, plus 1, plus 2. So you get that bonus health as well out of the axe. This thing is just like, this is a magic butt enhancer now. Like, it just instantly makes huge <laughs> butts. Uh, plus 1, plus 2. Like, you can play a 1-drop and then coin this on 2 and just, like, casually make it huge. Uh, there are just so many different things going on here. It's a really, really strong card. The The issue with Enrage Warrior has always has been this expansion reload has been refilling your hand after your cool thing is over and they deal with it. Uh, we didn't really fix that. But the the payoffs in terms of just sheer numbers now are pretty substantial. Imbued Axe is a really strong card. Well, and especially if you're doing something in the enraged space, I mean, you want to be able to deal damage without making it, again, good for your opponent, right? You want to be able to damage your stuff without doing them a favor and making things more removable. So the more health you can give to your minions and the more damage you can do to them and get all of your other enragey buffs without, you know, too much of a downside. So more health in this deck is going to be amazing. And it's also, and it's easier to infuse because you don't really go wide with Enrage War. You play a couple things a turn, but like you don't really go super wide. So infuse too just makes it a lot easier. Mm, yeah, that's true. Uh, and then finally, we got some more health on Cruel Taskmaster. So instead of a uh, two mana two two, now it's a two mana two three. That's better. It is better. More health in an Enrage deck. <laughs> like we just yes. said this. <laughs> yeah. And there is there is a bug right now that I want to make sure everyone's aware of. If you location Samuro, it does the AOE, the one damage, before it gets the plus two attack. That has been confirmed by Leo to be a bug because Cruel Taskmaster will do it after. So Samuro okay. Taskmaster is three AOE. The location is one AOE. The location is bugged. It's supposed to be three. So if that happens, and that means you can go location and then you can pop some Uro as soon as you have four mana with the location for three damage AOE that's good that's a good card mm -hmm. so when they fix that which will hopefully be soonish that also makes Enrage Warrior better it's not a balance change it's a bug fix but it will make the deck better mm -hmm. so basically um the location Sanguine Depths is supposed to be the effect of the Cruel Taskmaster battle cry but then because of some sort of way that they code the order of operations I'm guessing this ended up doing the damage before giving the attack in a weird, so, unintended way. <laughs> there's some funk. They're yeah, gonna there's some funk. Funkify it. <laughs> Love it. There's some funk. Uh, Title Revenant also got a change uh, buff. So it used to say deal five damage, gain five armor. Now it says deal five damage, gain eight armor. So this is the eight mana five eight warrior minion. Um, that again had the change to the battle cry. So I remember when we were talking about this and I feel like we thought that that was uh, the five and five was a lot, but then nobody played this. <laughs> it's so they reverted this. This was nerfed. They un unnerfed it. Same with shield chatter. Next up. Uh, these are a couple nerf reversions. Title Revenant did nothing wrong. 
Title Revenant was was <laughs> it, it was found at the scene of the crime, but he wasn't the one committing crimes. So it was from the depths and Nelly that were causing the problems. So they they said in these patch notes that they over nerfed Control Warrior. They wanted to undo it, and they also buffed a couple of core cards that look pretty goofy now, like Slam. I remember playing so many slams back in Ancient Control Warrior, the Wallet Warrior, back in <laughs> Blackrock Mountain TGT era, where it was uh, two mana, deal two damage to a minion if it survives, draw a card. It's one mana now. It's half the price. Seems good. They also changed Bash. I was going to say, this is another one that it feels like it's been around forever. Uh, TGT. So, TGT, yeah. <laughs> not Not all the way forever, but still a really long time. Uh, it used to cost three, now it costs two. This is uh, deal three damage, gain three armor. So no card draw, but, you know, get rid of something and gain a little bit of life. This does feel like current Hearthstone levels of power for two mana. It's Drain Soul that goes face. It's awesome. Great card. Mm-hmm. Play this in your world. Oh, deck. right. It doesn't, have the, it doesn't have the minion tag on it. Hit him in the face. Hit him very hard. That's a different card. That doesn't go face. <laughs> that's true. Uh, and that's it. That is all the changes to standard. Now, you may have noticed we didn't talk about Big Daddy D. And that has been a pain point to a lot of people in the community because of the combination that is neutral and available to everybody, which is Bran, Kael'thas, and Denathrius. So... Uh, Bran makes your battle cries trigger twice. Kael'thas lets you lets your third minion in a turn be played for free, so you can go Kael'thas, Bran, and then Denathrius for double his already significantly amazing battle cry. So, um, if you don't remember, Denathrius is um the ten, normally ten mana, so obviously really really good when you can play him for free. Uh, 10 mana and has the battle cry deal damage uh, starts at a base of five, but you can endlessly infuse that damage. Um, so it's just infuse one or endlessly infuse one. And uh, you can just kind of keep growing and growing and growing and growing. So um, when you can get this combo off, if you're playing any kind of tokens, then uh, usually you can do it on turn nine and do, you know, 25, 30, 35, 40, on and on and on amounts of damage and basically kill your opponent. Yeah, it's uh, so Aleko wrote this free twit longer. We alluded to it earlier. Um, mm-hmm. We have been talking about this patch for a while, so we're we're not going to belabor the point too much. The The short version is, I'm going to paraphrase. Aleko, if you're listening, forgive me. I'm going to paraphrase you because I know this is a lot coming from me, but you talk a lot. <laughs> I understand the hypocrisy. I understand. It just let's just all let's just all ironically laugh and move on. Um, he acknowledged that they're changing a lot of stuff quickly. I do think, as we discussed earlier, I think buffing things that just never landed out of the gate right away is a different kind of vibe than when you're mm-hmm. halfway through a set and you change up the entire meta because the meta does not feel dramatically changed here outside of the prevalence of rogue in some uh, brackets. But they're still aware of the concerns of too many things changing too quickly. Um, so something that they're keeping in mind, they, he mentioned Edwin and specifically gave some insight into the logistics of how they lock in patches. They had to submit every change last Tuesday, eight days ago from today in order for it to make the patch because of how game development works, how software development works. There's just so many different moving parts and so much lead time required that they had to submit it a week early. Um, 
there's going to be, you know, sometimes they're going to take a risk in a developing meta and they want to make sure that they help out the classes that are truly dead. And he says, Rogue looked like it needed foundational help. And then it turns out it didn't. And if they had known, maybe they wouldn't have made that change, but they want to make sure that they can take risks sometimes when the downside means a class just stays dead. See what happens, but, you know, they're aware of the concern there as well. He speaks the specifics. And then I'm going to read this exactly. Let's address the most notable exclusion from this patch, the brand kale Denny combo. These cards are very much on our radar. And I think the odds that one or more of these cards eventually get changed is high. Pause. Joss, how you feeling right now? I mean, I've, I like playing the combo. I think it's fun. I don't even mind when it gets played against me. But I know that a lot of people who probably have played a lot more in the last couple of weeks are not big fans of it. Also because it's neutral. So, you know, it is yep. available to many different classes and therefore is much more prevalent than any one class problem. Yes. Well said. You should write a twit longer. Um, Thanks. <laughs> to continue the quote, we felt it was premature to nerf marquee cards from the new expansion, which are largely accomplishing their goals of being exciting and ending games. But that's it. We're worried about the speed at which these cards are closing out games and the play against frustration that is clearly present here. So this won't be around forever. Druid players play make it peace well with that. You can. <laughs> Druid players, they're coming. You don't get to just do this with your 17 mana on turn four, whatever it is you do now. Uh, it's this the speed and, and frequency that this is being seen, not going to unnoticed, and is probably going to go away. So I like that that was expressly acknowledged. I like that he had so much to say that it couldn't be contained by just the patch notes. Um, and we've kind of discussed where Sanders is at right now, but... I don't know. How are your feelings playing today? Besides, I I wish that I knew how to play Rogue and I hate it so much. How are your feelings outside of that? I mean, I it didn't feel like it changed all that much. Like, obviously, Rogue's having a viable deck was a change. Um, but, I mean, I didn't see any Warriors. I didn't see any Paladins. I saw one Demon Hunter who wasn't even doing Relic things. Um, so I, or brute things. I didn't get brooded either. I'm trying to remember what he did, but I think it was just a super aggressive demon hunter deck that I was trying to figure out rogue things. So I wasn't even paying attention to him. And before I realized it, I was like, oh, I have nine health and it's like turn four. That's probably bad. <laughs> so, um, but um, overall I didn't see, you know, really huge impacts from this patch yet. And, uh, uh again, asterisk rogue, obviously. Um, but what I did see was mages doing volatile skeleton things. I saw some shamans doing shamany things. Uh, they did not seem to care about Snowfall Guardian at all, which goes back to what we talked about with Control Shaman. Um, so, I mean, I think that um, at least at my rank and my observation, which still I think I'm I'm in I'm in plat right now, but I still have my like same hidden ten star MMR or whatever in the background. So you know, do with that what you will to figure out who I'm facing. <laughs> but basically, uh, yeah, I haven't seen really that many impacts at all. I mean, I saw like quest priests, I guess, is is kind of like, I feel like the priests that I saw before the changes were more Naga priests. And now because at the high legend ranks, we've got people, which, you know, if I'm playing at 10 stars, then I'm playing against other legend players, right? So then they're probably seeing a lot more rogue 
maybe i don't know um or at least they they would be sharing in that potential opponent pool right who's probably playing a lot more rogue at stop me if i'm wrong <laughs> it's the you'll see so much rogue at the 11x ranks the top 1000 area and then it'll like it'll slowly slope down as ranks you know drop a little bit um mm-hmm. it's you're gonna see a lot more of it at really really high rank it's very similar to garot rogue where some players dealt with it every game and some players never saw it i imagine that'll be pretty similar this is easier to play than that deck but not by a lot because that deck is right. crazy difficult to pilot but this is still very much not intuitive um right so then so the people that i would be seeing at tens would potentially be expecting to see those 11 players right and then so if if rogue is they're basically they're playing the counter deck to rogue wow that took me a really freaking long time to explain that i'm sorry guys it's been a long show (laughs) but my point is that they are playing the counter to rogue so i have seen more quest priests um whereas before the patch i've seen naga priest so that was that was more along the lines of uh the changes that i noticed to the meta which i think is good i think that's the point right is that they are Buffing, not nerfing for the most part, other than some of the stuff that we've seen for a really long time, like the Snowfall Guardian nerf. Um, so I think this is this is kind of a good balance change. It feels subtle. I don't feel like the meta that I saw and was used to from the first couple of weeks of the expansion is now wildly different. Like we're still seeing locations. We're still seeing import locks. Like I saw a lot of import locks. I saw people even experimenting today, which is always fun. You know, like they they felt like there were enough changes that they could play around with stuff. I got bomb warlocked, I guess. <laughs> like the whole oh, death mines. rattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Naval mines. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, I didn't even know warlocks were doing this. Or maybe it's just that one warlock is doing this. But I'm sure he was having a great time because he murdered me pretty hard. <laughs> Yeah, it's if you were enjoying something two days ago, you can probably still enjoy it now. The nerfs were subtle. They were mm-hmm. they were light, they were subtle, and they changed some play patterns that seemed like pretty clear outliers. But the meta that we had before, the issue wasn't what we had. The issue was what we were missing. The attempts that they made to include some things that were missing may or may not land. I do think there's some promise and potential. Remember that... Warrior, DH, and Paladin are two weeks behind in refinement in a meta that is two weeks old. That is really significant, substantial. We could get something that's good enough or close to good enough, or we might not. We don't know. But if you were worried, I'm going to feel lost when I log in. I don't think you are, listener. You probably aren't. It's probably going to feel pretty similar. Yeah, it didn't feel like that to me, actually. And I was really happy because that was definitely one of my concerns is that, you know, it's the summertime. We mentioned this off the top of the show. Like, I haven't had a whole ton of time to, you know, play and and be immersed in Hearthstone the way I normally am. You know, there was a couple weeks of vacation. Now there's been a couple weeks of puppies. And, you know, I felt a little bit lost. But that was mostly because I hadn't gotten my footing in the expansion to begin with necessarily so it's like i feel like i'm catching up on the expansion and then also catching up on the patch which feels like a lot but i think it's really just one big package you know like this even though it's a lot of cards there were a lot of changes i don't think that it it really was a wild swing to the meta like some of the changes that we've seen in the past i'm sure that we're gonna see some big changes come in a few weeks probably but you know like for now this feels more of a 
what everyone was really asking for or what I saw a lot of people asking for was, you know, buffing the low staff, like trying to bring them up in power level to where everybody else was and then seeing how that shakes out and then going with, you know, the big kind of mid mid expansion stuff that we're used to seeing. So it's yep. uh, yeah, overall, I think it was there's some good changes here. There's some things that make me want to experiment with classes that I maybe wouldn't normally experiment with. So I think overall, this was a good patch for standard. Um, we do have some BG changes. So I do want to kind of get through them as, as quickly as we can because we're already at the hour and a half mark. And I was worried we weren't going to have enough to talk about today, Hat. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. It, 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 these these patch notes, they came they came an hour before the patch because Nick said they were they were really long and needed extra prep time. And then we got them. It's like, oh, yeah, you're not kidding. Because the BG's changes are... I, how many? One, two... <laughs> 13 page downs 13 page downs in yeah and there's still one two three four five six hero changes and four minion changes mm-hmm. yeah so there there are there there was a lot of stuff in uh 24.0.3 so uh first of all they at least i mean now i am not a super amazing like 14k MMR Battlegrounds player, but it looks to me like they just totally nuked Lich and said nobody gets to play her anymore. She's really dumb. because uh, So she went from taking two damage and adding a gold coin to your hand to taking four damage and gaining two gold this turn only. So you can't even accumulate it. So you're taking more damage and losing a resource. <laughs> This seems banana bonkers. Like, why would you ever pick her? It's, she's, this seems awful. Yeah, seems like, really I don't bad, know right? why you would ever, ever play her. Like, this seems not, not a thing. Like, this should not well, be a thing I at mean, all. <laughs> you get to ramp, like, you get to press a button and ramp two gold this turn. Like, I'm sure I that guess, there is some but... value to this. Like, it's a powerful effect, but Before this is a, damage? it's a big <laughs> chunk of life. And you don't get to hold the coins. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know about this one. There's more decision-making to be had, but they move the decision-making from in-game to the hero screen when you pick one of the other three. Yeah, and so her average placement right now is 4.76. <laughs> so, a, okay, wait. Uh, current pa- Okay, so they haven't updated. Uh, HS Replay hasn't updated yet um, for the current, current patch on the battleground side of things. So, I mean, she already wasn't doing all that well. There must have been some crazy outlier way to play her that uh, that I just am unaware of because, yeah, this seems like somebody just really hated her face and wanted to punch her. <laughs> like, yeah. Just like, no, no more list players. We're done. Um, Guff also got changed, uh, nerfed again. Uh, give a friendly minion plus three, plus two, got changed to just plus two, plus two. Uh, and you know, they, this, again, this is definitely, it's a nerf. Uh, he was, he was pretty powerful. I feel like Guff, I saw him in quite a lot of my lobbies. Yeah, it's, this is a smaller change, but one that needed to happen. He was just very easy to press the button in top four, kind of like how Wagtoggle was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm glad they nudged him. Uh, Deathwing also got, I guess, so Deathwing, I'm pretty, this is an unnerf, right? This is a a reversion. reversion. Yeah. So, um, he was give plus two attack to all minions. Now he's back to plus three attack. So, uh, it's just his normal passive hero power. Like we say, reverted 
back to normal. Um, Kale Foss, this I thought was a really interesting change. So Kale Foss used to say every third minion you buy gets plus two plus two. Now it's every third minion you play gets plus two plus two, which is an interesting change. I feel like I'm going to be thinking a whole lot more when I'm playing him because obviously every third minion you play means that you get the buff more often. But then like play order really starts to matter instead of just buy order. And yeah, I feel like this is a little bit more complicated now, but also you're going to get more buffs. So it's like it's a buff to kill boss? <laughs> Question mark? Like, I don't know. I I guess it depends how much you value stats over over kind of play order and, and player decision making. So one, this is a buff to Selemental. Very good yes. for Selemental. Yeah. Two, I look forward to messing Kael'thas up in a new and exciting way that is nobody's <laughs> fault but my own. Right. Well, yeah, like, so if you think about it, you've got um, minions like Selemental. You've also got even just like tripling, right? Like tripling is going to give yeah. you another minion to play. So you just naturally by playing Battlegrounds, you are going to get more buffs. So therefore, if you're going to buff more minions, that's a buff to the hero. But then also, what if I want to play in a certain order, but like I don't want to buff like the Selemental, the main body. I want to buff the token, but I can't because I don't have it to play. And like I don't know. Yeah, there's this is an interesting change uh, and a little bit more complicated than some of the other changes we saw to Battlegrounds. I think it's really yep. cool. I like it. It's cool. I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up being felt in a more subtle fashion. I don't envision this being a, a huge change to his win rate unless I've missed something obvious and broken. And listener, if you're yelling at your radio, I'm sorry, I don't play a lot of BGs. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, but, yeah, like we had the super in-depth standard talk because that's where our expertise lies. And now we are just limping through BGs. Don't hate us. <laughs> it's, I am I'm curious to play this, but my instinct is that like... You're, you might get slightly more buffs per game, but this was already not a great hero, and this is already not a hugely great synergy. Um, I'd be somewhat surprised if this was a monumental impact. It probably just feels more intuitive to play, so I'm glad they mm -hmm. made the change, but I doubt that we're going to see Kael'thas lobbies being dominated anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because plus two, plus two just starts to get so terrible the later into the game you get, right? So, Yeah, it doesn't uh, scale all that well. Yeah, we also got a change to Elise, and this is another one that's that's kind of like a, a big kind of fundamental change. So uh, you used to get a recruitment map whenever you leveled up your, your tavern tier, uh, and the recruitment map has had various costs. <laughs> they've experimented with costs over the course of Battlegrounds. Uh, now they've gotten rid of them completely. They're just like, you know what? We don't want to do this anymore. Recruitment maps, we can't balance them. They're bad. So now she has a new hero power. It costs you one gold to start and you discover a minion from your tavern tier and then it costs one more after each use. So you're getting a super cheap discover right away. Then you're getting a little bit of a discount. Then you're paying the price of a minion and then you're starting to get charged more and more and more as time goes on and as you push this button. So you can choose to either, you know, get some extra minions early on and try to snowball out of an early fast start. You can hang on to it and try to get some big bomb on, you know, Tavern Tier 4, 5, or 6 and only pay one mana for it. Like, there's some interesting potential play here that, again, someone smarter than me will figure out. This is a complete rework. Yeah, it is. She's totally changed. Like the recruitment maps are out the window. 
Um, and so I think this is good because like, I mean, Omu is another hero that had something happen when you um, upgraded the tavern tier. Same with the guy that gets blood gems, who I'm totally blanking on Black his Thorn. name. Blackthorn. I was like, Bloodthorn? No, that can't be right. That's way too on the nose. <laughs> Blackthorn. Um, they all do something when you upgrade your tavern, which when you don't have a tavern to upgrade anymore, or if you want to stay on a certain like level or whatever, you know, your hero power essentially gets shut off. And that doesn't always feel great. So I wouldn't mind seeing all of those tavern up heroes be looked at. Omu, I think, is okay just because, you know, like he... He gets the bonus. He can kind of power level. And that's the way you play that hero. And even though his his hero power kind of gets turned off by the time you get to Tavern 6, it's like it happens so early compared to everybody else. It feels OK because it feels fun and exciting. Right. And you don't really care that you don't have a hero power for the rest of the game because you're getting tier six minions before anybody else. And that's very exciting. And that's very cool. Um, so, I mean, I'm glad that they're changed Elise, but I know when I look at Blackthorn, like that was always my question mark with him is I was like, why would I pick you? You only give me some blood gems and it happens like so infrequently. And by the time I get to my higher tavern tiers, it's not really even that impactful. So boo, Blackthorn, boo. <laughs> and Elise felt like that a lot as well. You only got, you know, your five recruitment maps over the course of the game. They cost you mana. And, you know, like it just it never felt good or fun. And then by the end of the game, like I say, you don't have that button to push anymore. You don't have anything to do. Uh, this gives you something to do. This gives you some decision points. And I think that makes for a more interesting hero. Yeah, it's I wouldn't be surprised if there was a point where. People would just hold two of the recruitment maps in their hand for the entire game because they never wanted to play the tier two one or whatever. And then oh, it yeah, would just I would sit do there. that all the time. Yeah, yeah. That kind of like isn't great. I do envision at least is, you're going to use this button three times and then it's going to sit there at four gold and you're never going to press it again. But if you are power leveling, the first minion only costing one does seem really relevant if you have like one gold left over when you level a tier five or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think that you could use this as a way to get a turbo discover for some synergy piece that you're really looking for. And you could do this one one goal is a great deal, two goals is a solid deal, three goals okay, and then you stop. So, mm-hmm. you know, three times a game with the option to do more if you really want a six or something, you could. I'm curious how she's going to end up performing. I could see her having a clear scammy strategy, but I could also mm-hmm. see her just not landing at all. It's hard to yeah. it's hard to project where this is gonna land. I feel like I would definitely, especially later in the game when I'm starting to look for very specific pieces, I can see myself pushing a four and even five mana button if I'm going to be sitting there and rolling anyways. And I'm like, you know what? I very specifically want to triple this six drop or triple this five drop into a six or something. And I'm like, I could roll a couple more times and try to hit it or and, you know, because we've all done it. Where, you yeah. know, you level up to Tavern Tier 5 and you're offered all 1s and 2s and you're like, well, screw you, Bob. <laughs> so this yeah. guarantees you a Tavern Tier, right? So like you can say specifically, I'm looking for a 4 drop, I'm looking for a 5 drop, whatever. And you can push the button and you know you're going to get to discover from that pool as opposed to, you know, hitting the roll button a couple times. So I don't know. I think she could be interesting. And as much as we're saying, you know, oh, you probably won't push a four or five mana like or four or five gold. You might. I kind of think it kind of depends like. 
I guess it's four gold. It's kind of a scuffed toki, right? Like it's kind yeah. of a toki. Yeah. So okay. I don't. Yeah, I think I I think that you know I don't don't count out the the four and five button pushes. I'm you curious just now. might do it. You just might do it. I might. I might. You've convinced you me. You might. Yeah. <laughs> it might be a terrible strategy, guys. We'll go watch Bofer. He'll tell you. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Uh, Sneed. Sneed got a change. Um, I guess Sneed was powerful. I didn't really honestly get offered him all that often. Um, kind of ever since he's come out, I think I've played him maybe twice, uh, which yeah, is this just is a, buff, a, a product. Oh, is it? He's okay. Getting, <laughs> this is a very... I had to read this change four times. So it was summon a random minion from a lower tavern tier. Now it is summon a random minion from a tavern tier lower. They moved okay. the lower to after instead of before. They just moved one word, two words later. But what it means is before you could have a six die and get a one and it would suck. And now every time you have a six die gives you a five. Every time you have a five. Die, okay. Gives so you it's a four. like. I, I feel like I've, if I were to grammar police this and write this more clearly, I would say summon a random minion from one tavern tier lower, not from a tavern tier lower, because yeah. <laughs> that oh, to me reads basically the same. <laughs> and I bamboozled myself because if you scroll down about 10 pixels on the screen <laughs> that we have right now, the dev comment, this is only a clarifying text change, not a functional change. So... Is what I just said what was happening already? Or did I just make that up? Listener, you're going to have to decide for yourselves. <laughs> okay, yeah. So he's he still works the same. So still, if a six dies, you can get anything from a one to a five. Or was it a five before and the text was just unclear? <laughs> no, I'm because super confused. I haven't played with Sneed. Okay, listener. If you're out there, shout at your radio. Maybe we'll hear you. But it's so okay. My guess is <laughs> that's what we have the chat always, room for. Let's go chat room. Come on. <laughs> my guess is that before he always dropped exactly one tier lower, and it just seemed like your opponent was always high rolling because they never got a one off of their six. But <laughs> it was just how the card worked. I'm sure. I'm sure that the that either chat room or somebody on Twitter will tell us. <laughs> Please tell us how to play Sneed. <laughs> Uh, we also got some uh, minion changes. So Lieutenant Gar and Greasebot are now back. Uh, they oh, Gar. did give. I miss that guy. Right? <laughs> uh, Greasebot. So this is the one. They, there have been so many changes to Greasebot. But now, uh, Tavern Tier 6. So that change is still here. Um, but now, after a friendly minion loses Divine Shield, it gets plus 2, plus 2. Permanently, so it was plus three plus two. So they've taken one of those attack points away, uh, but otherwise functionally it works the same. So it is a tier six four seven minion that uh, buffs permanently buffs your divine shield minions when they lose it. Uh, little rag got a little bit of a change. It's now a tavern tier five minion from tavern tier six, which I think is really good. Um, I don't necessarily know if elementals needed all that much help, but. Uh, Lil Rag always felt like he came into the game a little late. So this is actually a reversion to launch elementals. Things were different back then. Mm -hmm. Elementals were super busted out of the gate. Was one of the strongest things we've seen in BGs yet. 
Well, We're super busted and also pretty straightforward. Like uh, elementals yes. very much felt like you just buy them and play them and buy them and play them. And there wasn't a whole lot of sneakiness. It was big numbers. It was always yeah. big numbers. Yeah. So, I, so what's I don't know. the tier? Oh, Genie is tier six. Uh, Genie. What else what, is so, tier six? Uh, oh, yeah. Actually, six. that's the that's the next. Uh, that's the Lieutenant next change Gara we have to six. talk about. Yeah. Oh, Gara 6. Okay, because I was going to say, I'm like, what happens? What replaces Rag? But uh, yeah, so Genie, uh, and this is, an, this is an interesting change. So basically, um, it's still, it works basically the same. The stats are still the same on Genie. But um, instead of summoning the elemental and then adding a copy to your hand, they swapped it. So now you add the elemental to your hand and then summon it so that this basically means you're always going to get the elemental in hand. You don't have to worry about having board space and not being able to summon it. Yep. It's the it's the uh Yasharash change. So Yeah. I don't know. It's it's nice. I like this. It is. Uh one thing I do know has been problematic in battlegrounds is this oh, freaking yes. dragon. <laughs> I don't know much from the BG meta. What I do know is that everyone hates Ysera and Chroma Wing and the combo of the two of them. So Chroma Wing did recently get changed and has been changed again. So now it is a one star, one four. After you upgrade your tavern tier, you gain plus one attack for each friendly dragon. So it used to be you get plus one plus one for each friendly dragon. So you're getting that health buff as well which I guess gets out of hand when you can stay on one with Ysera and get a whole bunch of gold in these guys and then guarantee all of your dragons on all of your rolls and everything else and then power level and do shenanigans. So no more shenanigans. It's I uh, there were some tweets going around. I didn't quite understand what was going on. So a friend of mine that plays a lot of BGs linked me this this tweet that I saw where before the patch. Yesera's average finish was 2.4 overall. There was a lobby filtered out where someone picked out, let me just remove some tribes here, and they found a combination where Yesera had an average finish above second place. <laughs> above, so that means you were, on average, your normal games, you were likely to get second or first. Mm-hmm. That's the most powerful hero in Battlegrounds history. That is true. That is crazy. Because you would just stay, you wouldn't level. Ysera would just throw Chroma Wings at you, you would buy them all, and then you would level and immediately win the lobby. Mm -hmm. That's dumb. <laughs> and that was after they reworked it to avoid the previous scam where you would instantly win the lobby. Yeah, and that previous scam was the combination of Chroma Wing and Kooky Chemist, I think. The, the swippy, yes. the swippy flippy floppy guy. Yes, the swippy flippy floppy guy. Yeah. Which is now the title <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> but yeah, so uh there was an interaction there where you could switch the stats around and things went absolutely crazy, and these chroma wings were huge and unbeatable, and and yeah, so they have tried to rework this minion so many times. I mean, at some point, maybe just, you know, stop. 
<laughs> give us a different dragon on tier one because no matter what you do with this guy, it just seems to create these situations where things get out of control. So this is the newest iteration. Again, one attack for health, only getting a buff on attack for each friendly dragon. We'll have to see how long it takes to break, but we will let you guys yeah. know. Um, they also made a change to Great Deal, which is one of the Dark Moon prizes, which are still in Battlegrounds. Uh, I think, what is it, one out of every four games? Um, or I guess in 25% of lobbies, you are not guaranteed to get one every four games. Uh, and Look at so, you clarifying. Look at you yeah. clarifying. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to get tweets. <laughs> While we're here, by the way, to avert any tweets, unless you've made them in the past 10 minutes of listening, I looked at a video. Sneed does, in fact, summon immediately from one tier lower. So... They just made the language match what was going on. If you killed a six and your opponent got a five, they weren't high rolling. That was just how it worked. Okay, that was just how it worked. Okay, excellent. Thanks, Hat. Thank you for looking that, that right. up. <laughs> All right. Uh, and so uh, the Great Deal Darkmoon Prize now reduces the cost of upgrading Bob's Tavern by five instead of by six. So pretty small change, I feel like. Maybe uh, I was playing it wrong, but like I never chose this because <laughs> I found by the time this is offered to you, because this is um, the turn 12 Dark Moon prize, I believe. I think this was the eight. Oh, this was the eight. OK. Because I was going to say, I always felt like although I tend to play just the Battlegrounds playstyle that I like tends to revolve around power leveling. So usually by the time I would get offered this, I was like, but my tavern tier already is that. I'd rather take anything else. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's, I would guess that this is just, uh, they they changed the cost of level two or from five somewhat recently. I don't know. I'm not informed enough to remember, but I remember there was some change there. Uh, power leveling is already just like a powerful thing to do. And making that just a little bit harder is probably a good idea. Probably. So, sure. I don't know. That's, I can't speak to this in any competitive fashion, but no. making making power level scamming a little bit worse is probably all right. Um, but that's uh, what I like to do. <laughs> uh, you can still do it. You didn't even pick this. I didn't this pick this. Nothing yeah, to you. No. you didn't even take this. Normally, normally, by the time I would come across this, I was like, okay, but at the same time, I could do anything else and it's probably cool, like discovering minions from your tavern tier. I'd like, rather do that. It was already on five and going to six is fine. I like to go to six eventually, but like usually five is enough. <laughs> usually. Maybe that's what they thought when they were making this change. They were like, well, it's six, but five's usually enough. <laughs> it's I am sure that there is some good reason for this. And I am sure that I don't know what it is, but hey, <laughs> fair. It's cool. Uh, we think you think we have time for this email. Think we can do it? Uh, I mean, yeah. Let's let's talk about this just because I feel like it should be pretty quick, and uh, we did tease it earlier on. So uh, yeah, let's 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 take this email. Hello. Hello. It's me. Hello. Um, just quickly, do you get my message? Yep. Oh. Hello, brother. <laughs> <laughs> You can send your emails to tackpodcast at gmail.com. You can also hit us up in the Discord if you are a patron. Again, you can go to patreon.com slash tack to support Ridiculous Hat and I. Our email today comes to us from Mix Clouds, who says, Hey, Joss and Hat, little heart emoji. 
I love your insight into tournament metas versus ladder metas. We've seen and heard a lot that Rogue does poorly on ladder at the moment, and people are asking for buffs for the class. You can tell that this came in late last week, yes. Uh, but then you watch the Master Tour and see people playing a lot of Rogue with quite some success. I know there's obvious differences between tournament formats and ladder, but could you get into a few specifics regarding what makes, in this case, Rogue a pretty good choice for a tournament, but not for climbing on ladder? At? <laughs> okay, so you can play Rogue now if you want to. <laughs> You but you will that. be it's, punished later. <laughs> it's the difference. So there's a bunch of differences. There's, keep in mind, the players that were playing Lambie Rogue, they're all in the same super high legend testing group. They all worked on it together. They surprised a bunch of people with it. Still only got a 51% win rate with it. But it worked out well in a, in a specific targeting strategy. Um, but it was doing kind of okay at high legend ladder as well before the buff. Kind of okay. It was being highly played because high legend players gravitate towards rogue like a moth to a flame. Uh, and it was it was solid, especially as people were learning to play it. If you wanted to play that, not at high legend ladder. If you're not typically a high legend player, it's going to take a lot more reps. It's going to feel a lot worse. If you have the fortitude for that and you have the time to learn it, by all means, it'll probably make you a better player. But it wasn't performing for players that didn't have the super-duper advanced kind of skill because it had very narrow paths to victory and may or may not have been actually a good deck because it just wasn't consistent enough. That concern has been fixed since then by the balance team. <laughs> um, so you're welcome to try it out if you want. But, I mean, Joss, I think your experience that you spoke to earlier discusses, you know, we're not tournament Hearthstone players. Mm -hmm. So tournament Hearthstone players can make a lot of things work that we can't. And as well, it worked out really well in that format given what people were trying to do in a new metagame. If that Master Tour would happen again today, there would be a lot more Quest Priest and Rogue would do a lot worse. Exactly. I was going to say, it really depends um, when you're looking at a tournament meta. It comes down to, you know, deck submissions and expectations, right? And the fact that they can't make changes on the fly. If they knew Rogue was going to be super powerful going into it, then we would have seen, as Hat just said, a lot more quest priests, a lot more people targeting rogues, either with their lineup or with their ban. The reason rogue was so successful this weekend is that nobody saw it coming. So they weren't targeting rogue. They were targeting warlock. They were targeting, you know, shaman or some other, you know, really powerful deck, either with their bans or with their with their lineup specifically. So, um, you know, like it just rogue snuck by this weekend, <laughs> but it wouldn't happen you know, with or without the Edwin change, that same tournament meta is not something we would see even if Masters Tour happened like this next weekend with no uh, with no buffs or, or nerfs, you know. So it all comes yeah. down to, you know, lineup building and player expectation. And there will be times you remember that trios tournament that happened relatively recently where a bunch of Masters Tour level players brought Quest Warrior because they had to play a warrior deck. And if you were all bringing warrior, control warrior could never keep up with the juggernaut. Mm -hmm. So quest warrior made sense as a deck in that format, given what other people were going to be doing. Tournaments are all about trying to predict what other people are going to be doing and beating that. You will see decks that cannot beat the best deck on ladder because they're banning it because they never have to see it. The presence of a ban and a target fundamentally changes what you want to do in one format versus what you want to do in another. 
So there are, when you have really good ladder formats that have a wide variety of decks and good balance, you will often be able to take tournament decks and bring them straight to ladder because there's no one thing that they're targeting. But when you have a format where people are trying to target a specific thing and get rid of a specific thing, the decks are going to look weird because they're not trying to do what you're trying to do on ladder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that because we live in a Hearthstone space where, you know, it seems the same, it's standard constructed Hearthstone, there's an expectation that what works in, you know, ladder or what works in a tournament will be like transferable. And to some extent it is, but at the same time, you are playing in two different environments. So you can't necessarily compare things one to one, even though sometimes it feels like you should be able to. They're different. And also like... Really good players can do what they want way more frequently than I can. Yeah, that's very fair. All right, Hat, let's do it. We're at two hours. We're at the two-hour mark. Man, they they shouldn't let us talk about Constructed Hearthstone. We do it for too long. (laughs) It's, I hope they like this. It's okay. I, I think it felt pretty good. I like Hearthstone. I like Hearthstone, too. Hey, that's great. We should do a podcast. We should. (laughs) But you know what we should do really is wrap this one up. So another reminder to you guys, thank you so much for supporting us. We are supported by our Epic patrons over on patreon.com slash tack. You get access to the Discord and Hat and I are working on some future plans. Dun, dun, dun. So uh, big thanks to you guys over on Patreon, including our Patreon producer, Dustin C. Thank you so much for supporting the show. The back catalog of TAC can be found over on theangrychicken.com. And you should also go and follow the show on Twitter at TAC Podcast. You can catch us live on Monday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash jossplays, which is right here for you live guys. I see you. Thanks for being here. Uh, Hat, where can folks find you on the internet? Uh, a lot of places, but the hub of my content is twitter.com slash ridiculous hat. That's where I say things uh, throughout the week as opposed to just a few times a week. Um, but also I do three Hearthstone podcasts. This is one of them. Uh, I'm on Coin Conceived. We make the competitive side of the game more accessible to you. One of my co-hosts, Edelweiss, she was on TV this weekend. So that's over at coinconceived.com. Then Vicious Syndicate, we do a high-level uh, data-driven look at the Legend metagame. So you can find that over at viciousyndicate.com. Joss, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Twitch. I'm at Joss Plays. That's J-O-C-E Plays. You should also go and check out my general gaming podcast. It's called The Gamers In. Uh, we've been going for 500 plus episodes now. Uh, we're doing a lot of fun stuff over there. So go and check that out. But that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, job's done. Job's done. Job's done.